on your seats um, a little Advent card that has that reading on it. And we encourage you to take those and maybe read it together as a family. There's some questions there for reflection. So maybe over lunch today, even with your kids, Pam is going to be connecting sort of the same content with them downstairs. And so they'll be primed to have these conversations with you when they get home for lunch today. And we're going to do this every week over the coming weeks as we head into Christmas. Advent isn't something that's found in the Bible. It is a tradition that people started a few hundred years after Christ. In just this anticipation and this waiting for the season of Christmas and the appearing of our Savior. But more than that, we're also waiting for his second return. And as we do, we are seeing him revealed in our lives every single day. He wasn't just revealed once in Bethlehem. He isn't just only going to be revealed at the end of this age, but he is actually being revealed in our lives every single day. And so you can take that little Advent card and have that conversation with your family. We encourage you to just walk along with us in this season of hopefulness and expectancy, looking forward to what God is gonna do. And on this first week of Advent, I can't think of anything that ties into our Revelation series at the end of this year more than this week's topic, the topic of hope. And I believe that more than anything in our lives in this season, we need a revelation of hope. We need a revelation of where Jesus is at work, where he's working in our lives behind the scenes, in things we can't see and in ways we don't know. We need that opportunity, just like John on the island of Patmos when he was in exile and and the curtain was kind of peeled back a little bit and he could see into eternity and he could see the story of Jesus unfolding before him and he could see the hope in the in the solid, um, that anchor in eternity, that solid thing that he could hold on to, seeing Jesus in authority, being called the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, there was a revelation there for John. In the middle of that difficult time, in the middle of exile, in the middle of persecution for the church, he was able to see something that many people never see, a glimpse into eternity, a glimpse into the grand redemptive story of God. And I believe that's what we need in our lives today as well. Last week, Andrew um, sort of opened this up for us and unpacked that story in the first chapter of Revelation about John in exile. But as we're going to see today, the revelation of Jesus did not happen only in the book of Revelation. It has happened all through scripture and it is still happening today. And sometimes it's hard for us to see that there is hope because all we see is our present circumstances. All we see is what's happening in the natural. All we can see is what's actually going on around us with our natural eyes. We're looking at the world. We're looking at the things going on around us. And sometimes it's hard to hold hope when we do that. Sometimes it's hard to hold hope in the middle of a world that feels like it's in a really, really difficult, hopeless, fearful place. Maybe when you get an unexpected shift in your health and things start to go wrong for you. Maybe when your job is at stake. 
Maybe when your security is being shaken and the world around you is full of uncertainty. Maybe when your marriage is empty and you feel like you're coming to your end of what you have to offer, your relationships are strained. Maybe you feel like you're just going through the motions today. This message is for you. This message is for you. I believe that there is hope. No matter what you're facing today, no matter what's going on in your life, there's hope. Our hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ as he reveals himself to us all of the time. And I believe that we do need hope today. We need to see where God is at work in all of the most difficult situations in our lives. Where, God, are you working? Where can we see your activity? Because in some of your situations, I know I talk to you guys, many of you, every single week. Some of you are in really desperate situations. Some of you have some really hard stuff going on in your lives, and it's really hard to hold hope in this season. I know. I know. If you feel today like your hope is wavering, if you feel like you've become hopeless in certain areas of your life, if you feel like you're just going through the motions or like God has maybe abandoned you or turned his back on your suffering, if you feel like you're all alone with the weight of the world on your shoulders, this message is for you. There's hope. Because no matter what's happening, God is faithful and we can trust him. And we see this all through scripture when everything is desolate, when there seems to be no reason for hope. God's people still have hope. In the book of Jeremiah, oh, sorry, it's not. It's in the book of Lamentations, which was written by Jeremiah. Um, Jerusalem has been destroyed. God's people are in exile in Babylon. And he's in the middle of this really difficult time. And the book of Lamentations is actually that. It's lamenting. He's, he's talking about the grief that he's carrying because of what has happened to his people and to his city. And, and Jeremiah says this, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time. Have you ever thought that over this last two years? I'll never forget this awful time and the grief and the loss that I've experienced. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. Yet, I still dare to hope. Yet, I still dare to hope no matter what I see in the natural, no matter what is going on around me in the world, I still dare to hope because God is faithful. And we get a key out of this scripture. Our hope is rooted in God's faithful love for us. You'll never be able to hold hope in the way that God has it for you if you don't understand how much he loves you, how much he cares about you, how much he has your best interest at heart how hard he is working to make everything come into line in your life, how much he cares about your growth and about your security. If you knew how much he loved you, you would never question what he's doing behind the scenes. You would never question his timing. You would never feel disappointed 
if you just knew how much he loved you. God's love for us is so incredibly big. It's more than we can imagine. And his love over and over and over in scripture is called faithful love. His faithful love. It never ends. It will not fail. It is faithful for us and to us, no matter what we're going through. And if we could understand how faithful God's love is towards us, we would still dare to hope too. Hope is also in scripture called an anchor for our soul. We are securely anchored in God's love. It says this in Hebrews 6. It says, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. An anchor, if you think about this, an anchor for a boat keeps it from drifting. It holds it secure no matter what's going on in the sea, no matter how big the waves are, no matter how it's being tossed, that boat's gonna stay put. It can't drift away because the anchor is gonna hold it. And this scripture is saying that we have a hope that sits inside the inner sanctuary in the presence of God, in the presence of our King of Kings. And our hope is secure. And if we keep ourselves focused in that, we will not drift no matter what happens in our life, no matter what storms come, we won't be able to drift away from his love if we stay anchored in his presence and in the hope that his faithful love will always come through for us. So let's unpack this a little bit today. What is hope? You guys are awfully quiet this morning. I don't know if you're tired or what's going on, but this is a good message and I need an amen a little every once in a while here to encourage me just a little bit. What is hope? What is hope? I wanna lay this out really clearly because I think we get this confused a little bit. What is hope? And we're gonna talk just for a minute about what is faith. And Pastor Andrew is gonna pick that up next week in our second week of Advent when we talk about faith. Hope and faith are a little bit different. So I just wanna clear this line a little bit before we get further into this. Hope is a confident, expectant trust in the character of God. Or you could say it this way, it's complete confidence that God can and will do what he has promised to do. So hope is a mindset. It's a perspective. It's a way of looking at our lives and looking at the world. Faith always involves action. So hope is the mindset on Christ. It's the mindset on eternity. It's the mindset on the fact that God can accomplish whatever he says he will accomplish, that he will make good on his promises to me. And faith is always linked with action that moves us in that direction. So the two are a little bit different and you'll never be able to step out in faith if you don't have hope. If you don't have hope as your set perspective in life, then you won't have what you need to step out in faith when God calls you to step into action for that thing that he's gonna do in your life. So you can participate together with him in it. We look at Hebrews 11 and we see that by faith, Abel brought a more acceptable offering. By faith, 
Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed and left his homeland. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac. By faith, Isaac and Jacob blessed their children. By faith, Moses parents hid him. By faith, Moses himself chose to share in the suffering of Israel. By faith, the nation of Israel crossed the Red Sea. By faith, they marched a grand Jericho. By faith, Rahab hid the spies. Do you see the connection to action there? By faith, they did something. But before that, they needed to have hope in a God who does the impossible. They had to have hope that when they set their foot in the Red Sea, something was going to happen. I don't think they knew exactly what was going to happen. Maybe as they were stepping out, they thought maybe a boat will mysteriously come under my foot. I don't know what they thought might happen. We can't imagine what God has in store for us. When he asks us to step out in faith, we just have to have that mindset and believe anything is possible. So if he's asking me to do this, I better do it because something good is going to come out of it. Something good is going to happen because I trust in the character of God. I trust that he's good and he has good things in store for me. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, um, these three things will remain, or some versions say they will last forever, forever. <laughs> faith, hope, and love. They'll last forever. These are things we're gonna carry into eternity with us. They don't stop at the end of this age. We know that love is the motivation of all things. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is telling us. It's what it's all about, is that love is what motivates us. Love is what comes from deep inside. And we've been talking about that already this morning. When we understand how much God loves us, we can then express love and carry love for other people. And we can serve others and bless others and encourage others. That's the love of God, that agape love. And we're always going to need hope. And we're always going to need faith because when we're in heaven, we've got more missions to accomplish and more things to do. As we've heard Pastor Andrew say so many times, we're just not gonna be singing kumbaya for the rest of millions of years. We're actually going to be ruling and reigning with Christ and that is going to require hope and faith. We're learning how to do that now. We don't get to heaven and stop trusting God. We're always going to be trusting in what he's doing, working with him, partnering with him, co-heirs with him in his kingdom work. So you can't step out in faith if you don't first have the mindset of hope. This is the pattern of Jesus. We see it in Hebrews 12, 2, where it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross because he had a hopeful mindset because he knew where he had come from and where he was going, because he understood the redemptive story of eternity. He was able to go to the cross and endure suffering because of the hopeful mindset and perspective that he had. And he is our pattern for how we're supposed to live too. To be Christian is to be carriers of hope in a world of darkness. And I feel like in this season, in these last couple of years, even the church has lost a little bit of its hope. I feel like, you know, I talk to Christians sometimes and, and we've been going through a really hard time and I understand when people feel a little bit hopeless. I understand when things feel desolate. When you feel like it's been a really hard time and you're at the end of your rope. I get it. But still, I dare 
to hope. Still, I dare to hope. We see we are to be bearers of hope in our generation, just like all of the people were all throughout Scripture in the Old Testament. We see the, the prophets and the prophetic words of hope as they were looking forward to a Messiah. No matter what Israel was going through, they were looking on the horizon to a day when their Messiah would come and their Savior would come. They were looking forward to something. They had a mindset of hope, looking forward to the day when Christ would be revealed in their midst and they were going to get to see him. All of it leading towards and painting the picture for the day when Jesus would be born and appear on the scene. Israel experienced exile and desolation over and over and over again. But every time they were looking forward to a day when they would finally be free. And all throughout the New Testament and the early church, we see a wandering and persecuted church, a church that's having a hard time sometimes getting their act together a little bit. But over and over, there's this expectancy and this hope. How many times does it say, like, we're just waiting for that second return? Already back then, they were like, just waiting for the second return of Christ. There was hope. There was expectancy. They were expecting God to move in their midst. They were looking forward. They were sitting on the edge of their seat going, what is he going to do next? This is an incredible way to live, and I feel like it's the way we should live as Christians. But I don't often see a lot of people living that way. Sitting at the edge of their seat going, what is God going to do next? I want to be a part of it. I can't wait to see it. Where is he moving? What's he doing in your life? Glimmers of hope even in the little things. Grabbing onto those little things and going, I can see it, God. I can see how you're working. I can see what you're doing. And holding onto those things with hope. All of scripture is a revelation of Jesus and God's great story of redemption for mankind. All of scripture resonates with the same hope. Jesus changes everything. He gives us hope. Our confident hope is that Jesus is being revealed in the broken and desolate places of our lives as well. He didn't stop being revealed on the pages of scripture. He has never stopped being revealed. Every time someone crosses that threshold and salvation comes into their life, Jesus is revealed. Every time someone forgives and releases another person, Jesus is revealed. Every time a prodigal wayward child comes back to Christ, Jesus is revealed. Every time we show acts of love towards one another, Jesus is revealed. Every time someone is healed, Jesus is revealed. Do you need a revelation of Jesus in your life today? I know I do. I know I do. He's breaking through in every dark area. And I know if there are dark areas in your life and in your family, Jesus is breaking through. There is something he's doing, a way that he's working, and maybe you can't see it right now. And maybe it all feels lost and hopeless. But still, we dare to hope. There are all these moments throughout the Bible, and I'm going to read some of them for you right from the pages of Scripture. And they all hinge on this little phrase, but God. But God. Those two little words, but 
God, we see them over and over and over through scripture. And that is where everything changes in the story of Joseph. He said to his brothers, you sold me, but God sent me. What a perspective that is. You sold me. That's the reality of what happened in my life. But because I carry hope, I carry a different perspective. And I can say, even though you sold me, God sent me. Joseph also said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Noah, in the story of Noah, the Bible says the waters flooded the earth, but God remembered Noah. In David's lamenting in the Psalms, there's always this turning point where he says, but God is my refuge and my strength. But God is my place of refuge in the time of trouble. But God, my enemies are all around me, but I've got a God who's got his hand on me. Day after day, Saul searched for David, but God did not give David into Saul's hand. Jonah prayed this prayer in the belly of a, you know, I, I want to say whale, but it's a large fish. <laughs> we all think, I don't know. Is it a whale? Is it a fish? I don't know. We'll let Andrew answer that one one day. He prayed this, the engulfing waters threaten me, the deep surrounds me, but God will bring my life up from the pit. In Psalm 73, it says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength and my portion forever. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger like everyone else, but God was so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead in our sins, he gave us life. Not many of you are wise by human human standards. That's not me saying that. That's the Bible. Not many are powerful and not many are noble, but God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Temptations may try to overtake you, but God is faithful to show a way of escape. When they had carried out all that was written about him and took Jesus down for the cross. They laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. We were dead in the trespasses of our sin, but God has raised us to life. And Jesus himself said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. The but God moment is a moment when hope comes into desperate situations. It's a moment when we lift our eyes and we see the reality of Jesus in our present circumstances. It's a moment that we surrender and we release everything to his lordship. It's the moment when the reality of heaven invades earth and our circumstance become flooded with light and hope rises up again inside of our hearts. We need a but God moment. Right now, where we're sitting in the world that we're in, we need a but God moment. How many of you need a but God moment in your personal life? I know I do. We need that. And we see all through scripture that he's done it over and over again. And he will not fail us. And he will not let us down. You've got a but God moment coming. 
No matter what is going on in your world right now, God has a story of hope and redemption unlike anything that you have ever seen. He is the God that makes water come out of rocks in the desert. He is the God that drops food when his children are hungry out of the sky. He is a God that parts the sea and makes a way where there is no way. He is the God that brings dead things back to life. He can create something out of nothing. He is just that kind of God. Whatever it is that you're hoping for, whatever it is you need today, God can do it. He is able. And no matter what we see around us, it doesn't matter. He's still able. Even though he hasn't moved yet, he still can. We need to hold on to this hope. A couple of things about hope that we can learn from Abraham's story, that we had Ben read those scriptures at the beginning. I want to just pull a couple of things out of that, and then we are going to pray together this morning and ask God for that revelation of hope in the middle of our circumstances. The first thing I want to say about hope is that hope is based on God's word, his promises, and his character. It says that Abraham trusted the promise that God had made to him. In the scripture we read earlier, it said this, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Hope is based on God's word, not my wishes. And that's a good thing. That is a very good thing. I can't trust my own heart and my own desires but I can trust in the word and I can trust in the promises of God. And I guarantee you, whatever you're going through in your life right now, there is a promise for you in this book that is relevant to your situation and relevant for today. You don't need to actually just, you know, we're gonna do this later and I wanna draw this line because I believe it's good for us to get a revelation from God, a fresh rhema word from God right into our spirit that we can hold on to. But every single time it will come back to this book because everything that you need is in this book. Every promise that you need for life is in this book. Everything you need for life and godliness, there is a promise here for your family, for your children, for your life, whatever it is you need, it's here. God has made promises to us and he will make good on them. So hope is based in his word. It's not presumptuous. It lets God paint the picture of redemption. It doesn't presume to know how he wants to work and what he wants to do. It simply holds the belief that God is faithful and anything is possible. I have a vision for my kids' lives. And it's pretty spectacular. But I know when I submit and surrender them to the hand of God, his vision for their lives will be even better than anything that I could ever come up with. And so I daily surrender them to his plan. Daily surrender them to his hands. Presumption always leads to disappointment. God will always work in ways you don't expect and can't understand. 
That's why it takes faith. That's why it takes faith. Because he's going to work in a way that you don't think he's going to work. So you have to trust and believe that he's going to actually do what he said he will do. Presumption will always lead to disappointment. Abraham believed in a God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. You can probably dream up some pretty incredible things. Some pretty incredible answers to your prayers. Some pretty incredible ways that your life could go. Some pretty incredible things for your family. But God's ideas are always going to be better than yours. What he comes up with is always going to be better. I guarantee you what he has in store is better than you can think or imagine. So we need to learn to trust him. Don't limit God. Don't limit what he can do by expecting him to do what you want him to do. Let him be God. Let him write your story. Let him be the one who redeems all things. You won't be disappointed if you put your trust in him. Hope leans in and listens. It's always expectant, always watching, and it celebrates the little things along the way. Here's another thing about hope. Hope doesn't mean that we forget reality. Now, I'm going to touch on something here just for a sec that may irritate some of you, but hold on a sec with me, okay? Um, some, of, some of you, some of us, were part of um, different movements in the church where we saw different kinds of things. And I loved my father-in-law. He is an awesome man. But he would do this thing every once in a while where he would just walk across the house and he would be like, I'm not sick in Jesus' name. And I'd be like, okay. And he's coughing. He's like, like obviously very, very, very sick, right? You're like, okay. But what I see would say otherwise, right? Now listen to me. I understand the power of confession. I understand that. But there is nothing wrong with holding reality. In the scripture that we read about Abraham, it says Abraham believed in God and in God who brings dead things back to life. That's not the one. Abraham figured, reasoned. He could figure it out. Some versions say he faced the facts that his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. He faced the facts. It's okay to face the facts. It's okay to say my marriage is in a mess right now. It's okay to say my health is not good. I'm suffering with this. It's actually okay to say what's going on and to hold the facts of reality. But in the other hand, we hold hope. We have that but God in between. I can hold the fact that maybe my kids aren't serving God the way I want them to, but God is still at work in their lives. And I can hold the fact that maybe there's some physical things going on in my body, but God is still my healer. Hope can hold both of those things and it doesn't waver. It doesn't have to deny the fact that something is going on. There is a reality that we live in a broken world and there's some broken things going on in our lives. But if we deny the reality of the broken, we deny God the opportunity to do what only he can do. 
and bring healing and redemption into all of our circumstances. Hope grows in our hearts over time and through experience. That scripture said that endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Hope grows more and more as we walk with God. As we see him show up in desperate situations. As we watch him heal people. As we see the things that he's done in the past, it grows our faith and our trust in him. When I was asking God about a word for my life last, at the end of last year, so we do this every year. If you're new to Mountain Park, we do this year-end series where we're gearing you up to actually ask God for a revelation for your own life. And every year we ask him for a word, just one word for our lives, a word of hope. Last year, the word that God gave me, I was standing here praying, Andrew was doing this kind of message, and he said, ask God for a word. And the word that dropped into my mind was the word capacity. And I was like, nope, I don't like that. So I came back next week, and I'm like, okay, God, I really need my word. I don't have a word yet, you know, I really need my word, God, I need, you know, capacity, nope. I don't like that. So I came back the next week and literally every time I went to prayer, it was capacity. That was the word. And I did not like it. And do you know why I didn't like it? Because I've walked with God long enough to know that a word like that isn't fun. It's not fun. Because I know that if he is going to give me a greater capacity, there's going to be a stretching and a growing and an enduring that I have to go through in order to stretch myself to be able to hold more things. But I can tell you now, standing here at the end of this year, that it was worth it. And I actually pushed this word away for a really long time until I finally said, okay, God, I accept it. Do what you want to do. And I started to realize that he'd been working all along and that he has grown my capacity to be able to hold hard things. But at the same time, he's grown my capacity to hold hope for other people and to say, I can look into your eyes and with all sincerity say, I believe there is a hope for you. I believe there is a but God moment coming because I've seen it happen over and over and over again. God does not fail his people. He always comes through. You can rely on him. You can count on him and whatever dark thing that you are facing, he's got an answer for you. Dare to still hope. Giving up and giving in to disappointment and discouragement is the enemy's greatest tactic to get us to opt out of hope. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Lean in and allow the God of hope to continue to speak over your life. I'm going to invite Liz to come back to the keys and we're going to pray a little bit here as we close this morning. One of the things about that first chapter of Revelation, if we come back to that story, 
that Andrew opened up for us last week. There's something really key in there. It says John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day when he heard a voice and he turned to see the vision that God was laying out for him. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. For John, in his time and in his situation, that meant that he had positioned himself in worship before God. He had positioned himself for a revelation of hope. Even though things were desperate, even though he was separated from the people he loved, taken out of his calling and ministry and all alone, he still bowed his knees and worshiped God and positioned himself to hear from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you've been going through something that's really hard and you need hope, you need to position yourself in a place where you can pick up hope. Whether that's sitting and reading the word and praying before God and worshiping him, even though you, you feel maybe like you don't have much to worship for, he's still God. He's still got you. Begin to position yourself in a place where you can hear his voice and pick up that revelation of hope over your life. You know, it's so easy, so easy for us to look down the road and imagine scenarios of fear and destruction. That comes so easily, just like that. If you think about that hard area of your life, that hard thing that you've been walking through, immediately you can go down a path of fear and destruction. It doesn't take much. We're kind of just wired that way. But what if, what if you allowed God to give you a scenario of hope? What if you allowed him to give you a revelation of what it would look like if everything went right? And what if you could hold on to that no matter what you see happening in the natural? What if you could hold on to that? I'm gonna ask you to stand and just close your eyes for a moment here at the end. And I'm gonna walk you through a prayer. Just take a moment in your own way to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you. Jesus, I pray that by your spirit, you would remind us of your words. You would speak over us in this moment, that you would bring a revelation of where you're at work and a revelation of hope over every dark circumstance represented in this room. I want, to, I want you to invite you to let your mind just settle on that one thing in your life where you need to hope again. Just let your mind settle there. Maybe you can let the Holy Spirit lead you to what is going on, where you need to settle. And sit with that for a moment, just hold it. It's okay to face the reality. It's okay to face the fact that it's hard, that it feels hopeless, that it's a dark and difficult situation. It's okay to hold that. 
You could even express to God your frustration or your grief over this thing. It's okay, He can handle it. Let it out to Him. And this is where we get our but God moment. I want you to ask Him to give you a picture of hope in that specific area of your life. What would it look like if you could see Jesus in the middle of this situation? What if you were healed? What if you were set free? What if your future was secure in the hands of God? What if he breathed life into this area that feels dead? What if something new could grow out of the ashes? What if beauty were to come from this brokenness? What if? What would that look like? Can you see it? Can you see hope? Just let yourself sit for a moment with the possibility of what could be. Let that overwhelm you. in your own words, take a moment to just thank God. Thank Him that you can still see hope in the middle of the desperate situations of life. Thank Him for revealing His hope, for revealing Jesus in the middle of your situation today. God, I just, I just thank you for every person in this room and we just lay before you every situation represented here, every broken relationship, every life, every person we love, every area that looks dark right now. I pray you would breathe life and light into those places of our lives. I pray that hope would rise up again inside of us. I pray that we would even walk out of here today with a fresh wind of hope, with a fresh perspective, with our minds set on a hopeful reality of where you are working and what you could actually do. Jesus, I pray that even as we go about our day today, you would continue to reveal yourself. You would continue to reveal the areas where you're working and moving. You would help us to see the little things and celebrate those wins. Father God, I pray that you would hold those who feel hopeless and desperate today. I feel that, I pray that your love would cover them. I pray that your love would soak into all of those places that just feel so hard right now and soften them. Thank you, Jesus, that you have proven yourself faithful over and over and over and over again. We have seen you move in the past and we know that you will move again. And so we place our hope in you. This isn't 
blind hope. This isn't just optimism or positive thinking. This is a hope that is based in the character and the nature of a loving God. I thank you that you are alive and active in our world today and in our hearts and in our situations. I thank you, God, that you are moving and working in ways that we can't see and don't understand. And I thank you that we can trust you with every piece of our lives. Bring a fresh hope again. In Jesus' name.